we begin this morning, I struggled all week with trying to figure out how do we, how do we begin Advent? How do you begin your preparation for Christmas? What does it mean to you? And oftentimes when we begin, we begin, if you think about it, you begin with a very simple question. Can you, can you pop it up there? There we go. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? See, now most people, when you ask that question the first time, they, they have behind it a certain expectation, right? What they're really saying is, have you bought all of the gifts that you need? Have you gotten, have, do you have all of the decorations up that you need? Have you written the cards that you, you, have you done all of the stuff, all of the routines that kind of protect us, that, that make Christmas a holiday, but not a spiritual event? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for what is happening? And oftentimes when we begin Advent, we go through the traditional story. And I'm sure that we will approach the, the story of Mary and Joseph, innkeepers, shepherds, angels. And we will hear that story and have it retold. But that's not really where Christmas begins, is it? It doesn't really begin with the hallelujah chorus. It doesn't really begin with angels. It begins with lonely people. It begins with people that are broken, that are, that are lost and alone, and into that world is where Christ comes. And so oftentimes, Christmas, we will create a facade around us that protects us from really getting into the story, to understand it. I, I would be willing to bet that most of you, the vast majority of you, have some sort of a nativity set at home, or at least you know what I'm talking about. We can go and we can buy very elaborate, very expensive ones, or we can have very simple ones that, that maybe even the children play with. But it allows us to look upon the scene. It allows us to stand almost aloof and look upon the events as they unfold. And we can analyze them and we can look at them, but we never really understand the depth of what is unfolding in those events. And so we struggle with how to get it across to enter into it. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series based on the book of Job. And I wrestled with whether to kind of end this series in Advent because, you know, Job and Advent don't somehow quite go together. How are you going to do Advent this year? Well, we thought we'd look at the book of Job. It just somehow doesn't fit together. And yet, there's a moment here where... Job, at the end of his story, has an encounter with God. And in that story, at that very end, throughout the book of Job, Job is asking, he said, if I knew where to meet the Almighty, if I could find his resting place, if I could find his home, his dwelling place, I would ask him questions, I would challenge him, why are these things happening to me? And you get to that point in all of our lives where we say, why are these things happening to us, that brokenness? We say, why is God often seems aloof and distant and, and not part of our lives? Well, throughout the book, Job wants an encounter with God, and, and maybe you have too. Maybe there's been a point in your life where you said, if I could just talk with God and get some answers to my questions, well, be careful what you ask for. Sometimes God encounters us in ways that we never imagined or, or never thought possible, and that's certainly what is happening in the book of Job. In the beginning of the book of Job, there's a story about a man who's very prosperous, and, and Satan, the, the deceiver, comes to God, and, and God says, look at my servant Job, look at my church, look at my people. They are righteous, and they love me. And the deceiver says, really? These people do it out of the goodness of their heart? 
They don't love you for you. They love you for what they're going to get from you. You made them prosperous. You've promised them heaven someday. They're just old people trying to get into heaven now. And God said, let us, let us see the depth of their faith. For a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. A relationship that has not been stretched is a relationship that remains immature. I've often heard it said, you can't know how good the good news is until you know how bad the bad news is. And so God says to Satan, you can test him. You can go this far and no farther. God remains in control. God remains in part of Job's life. You can put his faith to the test, our relationship with God to the test. And so, so everything that Job thought was important to him has been taken from him. All of his possessions, his children, his prosperity, his life, the plan that he had for his life has been broken. Maybe you know somebody in your own family, your own life. Maybe you personally have been in a place where you felt like Job, where you in the dark of night were saying, God, why are these things happening to me? Why me? Why now? Why, why do I have to go through this hardship, this brokenness? Every Sunday morning we gather and we say, tell me what's on your heart. Tell me the joys that you have. And people struggle with joy. We struggle to figure out what our joys are. Well, tell me, tell me the burdens. And we say, you know, people have cancer. People are, are grieving the loss of a loved one. Uh, there are marriages that are falling apart. Relationships are falling apart. We know what our burdens are. And so Job wrestles with those moments and, and finds the relationship with God takes on a different twist. And, and all of a sudden, there are, around Job, three comforters, friends, if you will, that come and try and get Job to see the issues that are going on around him. And, and they, t they constantly are reminding Job, Job, it's really your fault here. You need to get your act together, and then God will be pleased with you. It, their answers are simplistic. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. So, Job, you have to figure this out. And in the end, Job wants an encounter with God to understand what is happening in his life. And so this morning, we could have begun with simple songs, Away in the Manger, or We Three Kings, or those classic Christmas songs. But part of our background is O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Ransom people that are bound in chains and do not see them. We're doing a devotional, and I hope that you'll pick one up. They're out in the hallway based on the book by Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. And, and in the beginning of that story, Ebenezer Scrooge thinks that he's got his whole life figured out. It's all about business, and it's all about money. When his friend Marley comes back from the dead to, to kind of reveal to him the chains that are binding his life, how, how bound he is, and he's unaware of it. The challenge for us in Advent is to look at our lives and say, are we bound by chains that we're completely unaware of? Are we bound by expectations, by emptiness, by brokenness that we cover up, we hide from everybody else? If you could have an encounter with God, what is it that you would want to ask God this morning? Well, God comes to Job, and he has an interaction that is strange, to say the least. I said at the beginning of our series that Job is a difficult book. It is a book for adults. 
It is not a book for lightweights. It's not something that you can get through easily, and it will challenge you if you go through it to the very core of your being. And I hope this morning that it will elevate your perspective, not only of who you are, but of what God is able to do in your life this morning. This morning, I'm going to be reading at the end of the book, as God encounters Job, Job has this moment of epiphany where he experiences the wonder and the grandeur of the Almighty in his brokenness, and hear his response. Job says, and then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. For you ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Now, after this, the Lord had said these things to Job. He said to Eliphaz, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. For my servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did what the Lord had told them, and then the Lord accepted Job's prayer. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, in our story, Job is at the end of his rope. He, everything that is, he has has been lost, and as a matter of fact, his health is even affected. And he's sitting on dust, dust and ashes. His life plan, everything that he imagined has been gone. And he sits there as, as vulnerable as possible. Even it tells us that he's scraping his skin. Everything, his health, his relationships are all gone. And he has this encounter, a very strange encounter indeed. And it invites us, are we ready for that kind of depth with the Almighty? For those of you that have been prepared for Christmas, you, you go through a schedule. You kind of go through a preparation, right? You, many of you, I imagine, have already started decorating your trees. You start putting up lights on the outside. We begin decorating. And for us, that becomes Christmas. The preparation, the, the, the fringe stuff, the, the decorations, but not the core message that Christ came into a dark and weary world as the light in a world that was surrounded by darkness. So as we begin, ask the question deep down, are you ready for the Almighty to come into your world? Jim McGigan, I think, said it this way, those of us who are most familiar with Christmas are in the greatest of danger. Familiarity may not breed contempt, but it certainly takes the edge off. Awe. Oh. Promises that drop the jaw, widened eyes of newcomers, but provoke no more than a raised eyebrow in the old timers who have ceased to dream. This morning, I'm going to invite you to begin to dream again, to begin to enter that story, that story of brokenness, and to see what a powerful story this is, not just as a season where we can buy more than we ever thought we needed, but as a story for the lonely for those that feel broken, for those that are right now going through chemotherapy, or for those that are grieving the loss of a loved one that will not be here this Christmas. 
This is a story that speaks to them. Now, if you haven't been through that moment, if you say, I don't know what you're talking about, I hope that you'll tune in anyway, because that time is coming. Because we live in what is a suffering world, a a world that is balanced between spiritualism and realism. You've probably had people, there's a growing number of people that are now saying, I am spiritual, but not affiliated. I am above it all. I want to have an encounter with the Almighty. I just want to keep it at a distance. I don't want to get my hands messy in the messy life of church people, people that are trying to grow, people that are struggling with their background, their hurts, their their brokenness. I want to rise above it and say that I am spiritual and yet not really knowing what you're asking. Think about the people that had an encounter with God in the Old Testament. There was certainly Abraham. Abraham had an an encounter with God, and God said, "I I want you to pick up and move everything. I want to leave your career. I want you to leave your family, your homeland, and I want you to go a place that you do not yet know. Do you have the courage to respond as Abraham did? Or what about Moses? Moses fled Egypt. He was afraid for his life, and he spent years in the desert and created a new life when he had a burning bush experience. And God said, now, you will be my voice. I want you to go back to Pharaoh, and I want you to plead for my people, and I will be with you. Or what about Joseph, right? Joseph, who had the the coat, he was the favored son when he was thrown into prison, finally found a way out after many years and rose to prominence in Egypt. Or Jacob had an encounter by wrestling with God on the mountain as his brother approached. Sometimes what we want, we don't really want. We want a safe, convenient, distant relationship with God that is convenient and easy. But that's not the the realism of Job. Sometimes God breaks into our lives and changes them from the very core. Now, there are two kind of responses to the hardship that Job goes through. The one that is the most powerful is Job's wife. We've got to give it to Job's wife. Here's a relationship that they had had. They'd had many children. And finally, when crisis comes, she says, it's God's fault. God is against you. God is no good. Job, curse God and, and die. End it. Tell God that you hate him, that you have nothing to do with him, And end it all, God is the source of your problems. And sometimes we don't want to go that far, but we we come to God during these high moments. For the next couple of weeks, normally most churches, the attendance will rise because we're in the high holidays. The Christmas spirit is lifting all boats. But when you come maybe in July and August, it begins to wane a little bit because we don't need the blessings that God has available to us. And so we struggle with that relationship of who is really in charge, whether we're part of God's family or whether God comes to serve us. And then there's, of course, Job's friends. Job's friends say, it isn't God that's at fault. He said, I've never seen a wicked man rise permanently. He said, Job, it must be your fault. What you need to do is get your life right. Figure out what you did wrong and God will respond to your goodness. Oftentimes, we struggle with trying to understand who's at fault. We believe in a cause and effect relationship. Either we're in charge or God is in charge. 
And the challenge of this Christmas spirit is to see that God enters our story, sometimes to give us insights we can gain no other way. Sometimes we suffer, we struggle, because the world is not responding as we hoped it would. There's something deeper that God is drawing us into. And so God finally responds to Job, and he responds in a way that you would never have expected. So imagine this for a moment. Imagine there is a young man or a young woman that comes into the church, and, and they say, you know, you got to help me. My, my spouse is leaving me. My children have died unexpectedly. All of my possessions in a fire were destroyed. Can you help me make sense of that? What we would do is we would comfort them. We would wrap our arms around them. But God, when he encounters Job, does something radically different. And the reason that I've always struggled with the book of Job is everything that God seems to do seems to work, but it seems like it's the wrong thing to do. The first thing he does is he goes to Job and he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Surely you know. If you're going to hold me in judgment for the things that are going on, surely you know what's going on behind the scenes. Surely you know the big plans. You know where the lightning bolts go and when they should be sent. You know how the animals were created and how they feast and how they care for one another. He challenges Job to see the big picture to see what's going on. The first thing we realize is that there are no explanations. God does not explain to Job, hey, this is what's going on behind the scenes. There are only questions. Job, who do you think you are? And over and over again, who are you? Who do you think you are? And that's the challenge of suffering, to ask that question, who are you? Are you as in control as you think you are? Are you the master of your own destiny? And so we come to that moment where God is challenging each and every one of us. Do you believe in me? Jesus goes to his disciples as they are gathered around. They're about to enter Jerusalem for the last time. And he gathers them and he said, who do people say that I am? And then he says to each and every one, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And that's the question that is always percolating in our minds this Christmas. Who do you say that I am? Am I the little baby Jesus in the manger? Or am I the leader of your life? And so we come to this, the question, I'm sorry, the question is, is, is Jesus the master who is in control? Are you the master in control? Or are you the servant that needs more faith? The challenge for each and every one of us is to understand what God is doing. Which of those two is intention in your own life? Whenever you feel alone and you say, but I'm praying and I'm not getting any responses to my prayer, what you're really saying is God is not doing for me what I've asked him to do. I'm the master and he's supposed to respond to me. Maybe there's something deeper that you need to be looking into, that that there's a different relationship that God is inviting you to be a part of. In Dickens's Ebenezer Scrooge is bound by chains that he can't see. How, How do we make Ebenezer Scrooge aware of the chains that he is forging in this life? How do we make him aware of that? He has to go through these three phases with the three spirits to understand that What he's been doing is forging these chains in his own life. What is it that we have to do to break through your 
idealism, your mask, your protection to help you understand the life that God has given to you. And so we come to this, this moment, this Christmas connection. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be the ruler. He will be the master. And you will be the servant. Sometimes we go through these moments of suffering in order to help us understand what God is doing. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. That God's promises, we have to rest, we have to memorize them, we have to digest them so that they're always with us to understand that God has not abandoned us, but is taking us through the valley of the shadows in order to get us to a different land. We all have to go through that time of refining. So here are the two questions that I want us to, on this first Sunday in Advent. There we go. Will I trust God in the midst of my suffering? Can I trust God when everything else is taken away, when, when there's nothing left, and you can sit there at the very end, but thy will be done? I have no other thing to lean on. I have no vestige of God's presence, but I believe that above all things, at the end of all days, He will come to my rescue. Do you relate to God more as the master or as your servant? Are you here this morning because of what you will get or for what you can give as a, as a member of, as a disciple of Jesus? That's the challenge. That's the very core and the very essence of why suffering is so hard because it challenges that, that lifestyle, that worldview of your relationship to God. Is God just something that you, that you put on your schedule or is it part of who you really are? And so... We can't really go through a first Sunday in Advent without a C.S. Lewis quote. Can we? There we go. There are only two kinds. C.S. Lewis said there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are those who say to God, thy will be done, in good or bad. And there are those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Do you see God as your master or do you see him as your servant? He goes on to say, actually, in this quote, he said, all that are in hell, choose it. They want to be their own master, their own king, their own queen. Those that are there have chosen it, and God only gives them what they want. So on this first Sunday in Advent, as we look, as we begin to approach that nativity experience, it's going to challenge you, it should challenge you to say, would I go the distance? Would I actually go? Or is it just something that is another part of the day, part of the calendar? I am stronger because I had to be. I'm smarter because of my mistakes. I'm happier because of the sadness that I have known. And I am more loving because I have known loneliness. And I am wiser because I have learned to trust God. We cannot learn and grow without being stretched. And sometimes that stretch requires pain. As we begin to come to Advent, as we come to this Christmas experience, it's God's revelation that I have not abandoned you, I have not left you alone, and sometimes it is who Job is pointing to. Who is it that Job is ultimately pointing to? The one who gave his life, the one who sacrificed everything, that suffered horribly for a cause far greater than any of us knew. 
So as you come this morning, as we come for communion, as we come for fellowship, reconnect to that deeper place that God wants in your heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning to experience the fullness of your love and grace. Challenge us, we pray, to, let, to live and grow in your grace. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.